Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Amateur Hunter Podcast. Okay, everybody, welcome back. We have finally arrived. We are on the final part of this series for my preparation for the upcoming hunting season. And when I say season, I mean basically from September all the way through December-ish. So we've already gone over what I do to prepare my body, what I've done, um, how I'm preparing my mind for this kind of thing, how um, I have prepared as far as with the weapons that I'm going to take, so practicing and all of that stuff that's been going on for most of the year now. And then this first part of the gear, we went into what actual uh, weapons I'm taking and why I chose them and things like that. And then we went into the clothing side um, to you know, give you an idea of everything that I'll be taking out into the field with me. So now we're going to wrap all of this up with the actual gear going into my pack and my pack and my food and all of that stuff. Basically everything that's going to keep me comfortable and alive for however many days I decide to stay out. So let's just get right into it. Okay, so like we discussed in the earlier episode, part one of this episode, I guess you could say, um, I keep a running list on a spreadsheet that I happened upon through GoHunt.com, the A to Z backpack or backcountry hunting gear list. So we'll just kind of go down this list and kind of uh, just break everything down to what I am taking, why I chose this, and, uh, you know, maybe little tips here and there that I have come across. Um, So we're going to start with the pack itself. So the pack I'll be going out with is the Wilderness Pack Specialties Bighorn Pack. It's an external frame pack, and I don't know, let me just see... Um, what the actual capacity is on this. I really like it. It's compact, but still pretty spacious. It has plenty of pockets. It's it's not overly trying to be organized, because that's one thing I don't like. I don't like the packs that have 216 pockets, and you just feel stupid if you don't find a reason for all of them. So I, you know, I like having some organizational pockets, but then I also really like um, just having a pack that I can... Uh, you know, just put gear in. Um, so the Bighorn really fits that. And to be completely honest with you, I knew nothing about these guys before this year. Um, it's a 3,000 cubic inch pack, so it's it's got plenty of room. And like I said, it's an external frame pack. They uh, they claim it's the frame is as a 120 pound frame, so definitely more than enough to, you know, pack out any meat that I need to pack out along with, you know, whatever's in the pack. 
Um, what's, what I really do like about it too is that the pack itself, um, I can loosen the straps that hold it onto the frame and behind there is actually a full meat shelf. So I can loosen those straps all the way out, throw a you know quarter or whatever behind that pack, tighten everything back down and, and it's ready to rock and roll. Um, overall just a lot of thought went into these packs and just really really nice. I've now I've carried up to you know 60 pounds I think now um, in this pack and it's comfortable. It's it does everything that I needed to do. And like I said, I didn't have a clue about these before. Um, I just wound up on Craigslist one day, just looking for packs, seeing if anything come up there. I found a pack. Um, a guy over in Aurora, which is on the other side of Denver from me, um, had it there. I talked to him for a minute. He's like, "Hey, yeah, it's on Craigslist, but it's also on eBay." Um, I'm just kind of advertising it on Craigslist. He's like, so go ahead and go to eBay. I got lucky. It was sitting on eBay for like 85 bucks or something like that. And I, uh, I bid, I think $85, like the minimum, and nobody else touched it. And I wound up with it. So I really got lucky in that regard because that pack, um, brand new is like $400. And when I got it from him, it, I mean, it was really well taken care of. It, it looked pretty much brand new when I got it. So I uh, definitely, definitely love this pack. Now, what I did also do, just because I was concerned about space when it came to this uh, 10-day hunt that I'm going to be doing here coming up, is they have another pack called the Pelican. It is an attachment. Um, it basically just goes onto the uh, front side of my of my bighorn pack, and it adds. I want to say another. Um, I thought sixteen hundred, maybe twelve hundred. Um, oh, the fourteen hundred. Okay, so fourteen hundred cubic inches. So with that on there, my pack is forty four hundred cubic inches, which is more than enough to bring everything that I need to um, on this hunt for sure. And like I said, overly comfortable. This is a, a really important thing when it comes to your gear. You really need to put some thought into your pack. If you don't, you're going to wind up like I did in my first hunt with just something that does not work for you. Whether it be comfort, whether it be size, whether it just be the overall design of it, whatever it is, make sure that you put some real thought into your pack. Find one that really works for you. Um... You know, I, I've gotten lucky, which should tell you that you can also get lucky. I'm not doing anything special out here. I just did some research. When I found this pack, you know, on Craigslist and talked to the guy, I went to their website and found out a lot of stuff about them. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me is they are what's called berry compliant. And that means that every little detail of this product is made in the United States. The thread that they used to sew, the needle that is used to uh, sew, the machinery, the, the employees, all of the material, I mean every last piece comes from the United States. So that already gives me, you know, a, a good feeling and then just the reviews that I read about them and, and then after getting it, um, it was just, it was heaven. It was amazing. So if you're really looking for a pack, there's a lot of good ones out there. I used Eberly Stock. 
last year. I really liked it. Um, my hunting partner, he had an Alps pack last year that he was a really big fan of. He happened upon an Eberly stock this year, so that's what he's going to go with. Um, obviously, these top ones, the the uh, um, Mystery Ranch, the I think Kuyu makes some. You know, there's, there's so many brands out there and so many really good ones. So just put in some research. You know, I'll say it a hundred times. Look at the budget and, and find what works for you. Uh, moving on from that, next I've got my rain cover. Nothing really major here. You don't need to, you know, go nutso over it. Uh, but I would highly, highly, highly suggest getting a rain cover. You can save yourself, one, um, a lot of headache from getting all of your gear soaked. But the second thing that it really helps with is the weight. Um, if you're carrying around 50 pounds and you don't have any kind of cover and that bag is just absorbing all of that water, you're adding weight on and, and so it's just going to keep getting heavier and heavier. So to save yourself a bunch of heartache, save yourself some weight, all of that, um, grab a bag cover. I got mine, I think, at a garage sale. I just found one. It worked. It didn't have any holes in it. It's black. It's very simple. Um, it packs into itself, so it's really small, really light. Mine came in at six ounces. Um, so, again, I highly suggest getting it, but I'm not going to tell you, like, the best brands. Just find one. Uh, if it's a decent enough material, it'll hold up and it'll be okay. <clears throat> so then we'll look at my... Uh, sleeping gear. So I've broken this down into basically just three categories, the tent, the sleeping pad, and the sleeping bag. Now, I didn't mention this before, but it's something I, I did want to bring up that uh, I think you should always take a look at, um, and, and that's where you can get discounts from. So there is this website, and it's called expertvoice.com. It is not a hidden thing. It's not something that, uh, you know, only like so certain people can get. Um, now, I will say it is the way this website works is that it's a manufacturer kind of link um, to what are considered like field experts. So depending on what kind of a job that you have, what kind of career field you're in, you can qualify for certain discounts on certain gear that these guys have, you know, relationships with the manufacturers of. So when I worked at Cabela's, uh, well, actually, I first found out about this when I worked at uh, Gander Mountain down in Florida selling guns. When I worked for these, you know, retail outfitter stores, I got a lot of deals um, that were just great. I mean, I'll tell you, um, Vortex, they have 40% off. First Light is like 30%. So not everybody will qualify. It is based upon your career field. Mine, as a first responder, I still get some a lot of deals. Um, so like I said, it's not just limited to, you know, if you're, a, if you're working in the hunting industry. There, it's, it's pretty flexible in that regard. I do not know every, you know, career field that they cover. But like I said, I'm in a first responder position, and I still get a lot of these discounts. So just look into it. Um, and and maybe you'll, you'll find something that works for you. And I say that because that's where um, I got some a lot of this gear. So my my tent is a Kelty Grand Mesa two. Um, it is considered a two person tent, but it's a very narrow. This is a backpacking tent, and the one thing you'll always know with backpacking tents is that it's minimalist. Um, if you just get a normal you know 
tent that you see in all of these different stores, and, and they call it a two-person tent. Normally, they're they're pretty big. Um, but with backpacking, when they say two, they kind of really mean like two, like laying on your side, the two of you can fit. So that's why I like it. It's not a lot of weight, um, but it gives me a little bit of extra room so I can move around. Or if things start getting really like sloppy, if it starts snowing or raining or getting crazy, it does have a vestibule, but it's not it doesn't have a, a floor so it's just you know i'd sit my pack and my boots on the ground zip it off and it'd be okay but if things start getting really messy i have enough room i can drag my pack in there put my boots in there and everything will stay dry throughout the night which is you know a big big thing now the other thing i got was the uh, kelty cosmic mummy pad now this is really it's kind of a heavy pad um, it comes in at like 39 ounces or something like that, and I kind of really wanted to look at possibly getting a lighter one, but I wound up sticking with it, and the honest reason why is because of the RF value, uh, or RA value. If you're not familiar with that, or the R value, I'm sorry, just R, yeah. Um, the R value is kind of the insulating quality of your sleeping pad so and and that's where you'll kind of see these these differences in weight the lighter that a sleeping pad can get most of the time the lower that r value so a lower number means not as insulating a higher number means it's it's good at insulating uh, mine has an r value of four and i i want to say that the r value goes up to five um it might go a little bit higher than that, but I I I know that four is pretty is pretty uh is pretty high up there. So it's definitely considered an all season pad, um, not a warm. So I wound up sticking with it just in case because I know it can get pretty cold in the mountains even early season. I mean, I would be surprised if we don't get close to freezing or down to freezing at night. So that little bit of extra weight so that I can have a good night's sleep, a warm night's sleep, that to me is the uh, is the biggest thing. Um, so yeah, like an, a 4.0 is somewhere between 0 and negative 20. Um, so, you know, some things, you, and that's what you have to look at. Sometimes you have to pack the weight to get the, the comfort that you want. I could go right now onto Amazon. They've got these um, sleeping pads that come in at eight ounces, and they are apparently really high quality. I mean, they've got over like several thousand really high reviews, so that would save me thirty. Oh, it's thirty-four ounces that I'm taking, so it would, it would save me twenty-six ounces to go to that. But it's an R value of like one, so there's really no insulating factor. It's just a good pad. So if you're sleeping, you know, low altitude summertime probably great but you're gonna you're gonna notice it when it gets cold so that's why I went with that now for the sleeping bag I went with the uh, peregrine Alta or Altai I don't really know how to pronounce it 20 degree bag it is a I want to say it's down it might be a down blend um, I will be 100% honest with you I initially had a Kelty Cosmic 20 degree bag. It was synthetic, had a little bit of weight to it, and an opportunity 
presented itself where I could trade that bag in and get the down bag. Um, it is a, it's a it is a hybrid. It's a synthetic um, down mix, but it still saved me like almost two pounds. I want to say. But the opportunity presented itself for me to get this bag. It came recommended. Uh, there's a store here in town called Feral. Um, I would recommend them. I had I've had really good luck with them. I would say don't go there if you're really looking for a bargain. Everything I've seen in there is just right at about retail price. I don't think they're ripping anybody off, but you're not gonna like it's not walking into a discount store. You're gonna pay retail. But the people in there, really good people, at least to me they have been. Um, they've got a pretty good selection. So talking about this bag, that guy, he, he called it an entry-level bag, but he said it was a good performing bag. Um, so I'm giving it a shot. If it really, you know, when I, I'm going out on a scouting trip here in, um, well, like two weeks from today, or, well, two weeks from Friday, and uh, and I'm going to take it out there. If the thing just doesn't do what I need it to do, then I'll give, you know, I've got a little bit of time to get it worked out. But I've got pretty high hopes for it. It seems seems pretty high quality to me. Um, and then obviously you have a stuff sack that goes with that. And it, I mean, typically the stuff sack is just what comes with the bag, so you don't have to do anything crazy about that. And that really rounds out the uh, the sleeping gear. And so I guess I'll, what I'll do too is I'll give you kind of the total weight. I'm not going to go through every tiny little ounce that I'm having, but I'll give you the total for that category. So in my sleeping gear, um, I'm at nine and a half pounds. Um, with my pack, I was uh, with the rain cover, the um, extra 1400 cubic inch pack that's attached to it. Everything on the pack, it's 7.7 pounds. Um, and then we get into um, a few of the things that I'll be wearing that uh, we didn't go over with the clothing guide. Um, just a few little accessories, I guess. Um, so sunglasses, that's a huge thing to me. I, uh, I'm sensitive to the sun, I think with my contacts, it definitely, and then my contacts really dry out quick with the wind. So the, the, my sunglasses really help with that. And with those, I've had these since I got promoted to um, my patrol position that I'm in now. They're the Wiley X Valors. They're nothing like over the top crazy nice. They're just they're really good. They're solid. I've had them for two years now, and I haven't had a single issue with them. At this point, they really need some new lenses because I've just destroyed those. But overall, um, they're just good sunglasses to have, and I would I would highly suggest having them. Um, it, especially at higher altitudes and you're going to get in that snow you're going to want something to help um, shade your eyes because I mean snow blindness is a real thing if you get up into that snow or it gets snowy while you're there um, and then that sun starts reflecting off of it you're above the tree line whatever you know that can become a problem so even if you don't plan on wearing them all the time it's just in my opinion a good idea to bring them um, and then we've got my watch which is a Sunto Core Black Watch. I got an amazing deal on this on Amazon. I think it was like a refurb or something. Um, but really, really nice watch. It does everything I want it to and nothing more. I don't want to watch where I get text messages or, you know, can watch TV or, you know, I don't know, just, you know, start my car. All this junk that these things can do now. Not that it's not cool, um, but I really just wanted something simple that I can hit a button and it's going to do what I want it to do. And all I want this watch to do 
is to tell me the time, tell me my altitude, and give me a compass. Those are the only real three things that I wanted. Now, this thing has a few more options on it. It has a storm warning system on it because um, obviously it tracks barometric pressure with the altitude, with the altimeter. Um, so that's really kind of a cool feature. And then it's just got, you know, little things here and there. But it does exactly what I want to. It's not overly bulky and it looks pretty cool. I would always suggest some kind of functional watch like that, um, you know, but it, that's up to you. And then uh, trekking poles otherwise known as sissy sticks. A lot of guys might fight against this. There's a reason why they got the name sissy sticks because there's guys out there that say you should never need them and all of that. What I will tell you is that I absolutely love using them. I don't really need them all that much going up a hill. Um, they, I use them just because it's there. I don't know. It's just whatever. Um, but I really get used out of them going downhill. It, it's really nice to be able to, to plant that pole um, and then start taking steps. To It just gives me more assurance on my feet. And when you're carrying extra weight, if you're carrying, packing out meat and all of that, it can really be helpful. You might not need to carry two, maybe just one. I carry two, but uh, to me, it is almost an essential. I, if I left home without them, I wouldn't turn the truck around and come back for them. But they are pretty stinking important to me. And uh, the ones I have are North Pack Outdoors. I think I got them from Big Five, maybe. I can't remember where I got them from, but they've, they've held up. Um, I like the cork handle. I know you can get foam handles, but I, th I feel like the foam breaks down pretty quick. Uh, the cork handle to me just is it doesn't get uh, slick when it's wet, and it, it just holds up well. And outside of the clothing and everything, I'll be wearing and boots and all of that. Um, those are the only other things that are kind of going to be on my person when I head out. And the one thing that a lot of people don't, and this is why I'm glad that this, uh, this system that we're using actually forces you to uh, weigh everything because you don't realize how much weight you're just putting on your body. I have 9.6 pounds that are going to be just the stuff I'm wearing, boots, you know, cap clothing all of that nine and a half over nine and a half pounds that's pretty crazy um all right now for probably what is the most expensive part of this entire endeavor and that is the optics side of life i really like having a spotting scope and i really like having a good pair of binoculars i do not have top of the line of either um, that is just an investment that I'm not in a position to make right now because if you're looking at the top of the line on both of those, you're in the neighborhood of $5,000, I would say. Because if you're wanting to get the best out there, um, Suaro is, well, they're probably still top of the line. And if you get their really nice spotting scope, that's a, that's a $3,000 investment in easily. But... I'm really happy with what I have. I think it's going to serve its purpose. I, I've gotten very good value for the money spent. So I'm happy with it. And go, starting with the spotting scope, <clears throat> what I wound up going with was the Vanguard Endeavor HD, 15 to 45 by 60. And the reason I went with this is because I actually used to own a Vortex Viper. Um, I think it was a 15 to 45, or it might have been an 18 to 46, or whatever. It was in this category, though, kind of the mid-range, not the the full power. And I liked it. It was great. It was also 800 dollars. I wound up getting rid of it 
and then decided I wanted to get a spotting scope again. Started looking around. I knew that kind of my standard was that of the, the Viper. And I uh, wound up looking through one of these Vanguard Endeavors, and I really feel like the glass quality is very close, in my opinion. There might be others out there to say it's straight garbage compared to the Viper or, you know, whatever. But to me, it was really, really close. And I got, a, again, a kicking deal through Amazon for uh, this scope for 250 So overall, I have been really happy with it. It's it seems pretty rugged. It's got a real nice, clean, crisp picture. Um, the focus is really crisp and easy. So overall, I'm happy with it at this point. <clears throat> uh, then we go to my uh, binoculars. And I'm now running the Vortex Diamondback HD 10x50s. Um, and I will say, honestly, outside of the spawning scope, uh, Vortex is pretty much all I have when it comes to optics. I, I I really do like them. Um, I know I said earlier that I get you know a pretty good discount, but actually, I've been able to find these optics for um, around the same price. Vortex can run some pretty good sales even without getting the manufacturer's discount. But uh, this year I upgraded to the Diamondback HD 10x50s. I did have the Vortex Crossfire 10x42s. Um, and they, they worked well. The only thing, I wanted to go to HD. Um, I do see a difference there. The color and the clarity, to me, um, I can definitely tell a difference. And I wanted to get a larger objective. I wanted to have a little bit of a brighter image all throughout the day and then just get that little edge um, early in the morning and you know late into the evening. So I really love these. I've I've used them a ton, and they are just they are great. I really really like them. Now this next one is my binocular harness. I spent a lot a lot of time trying to figure this one out. I before um, I had actually made my own binocular harness harness. I ordered. Um, if you're familiar, you can get just like the binocular suspenders, where basically it's a harness and it just hooks onto the binoculars and that's it. Um, so I ordered one of those and I had the actual binocular case that my Vortexes came in. I wound up doing some sewing and all of that and, and made the harness attached to the case and, you know, it worked. It was not, however, all that great quality. And, you know, my seams were starting to break, and it just, I mean, it was just kind of a garbage piece of rig. It worked for a couple of seasons, and then, you know, it was time to fix it. So, I'm really, really picky, though. I don't like the big, giant harnesses, um, because when I think about shooting from the prone position, I don't want to have my body, you know, jacked all the way up because I'm sitting on this, you know, watermelon of a stinking pouch. Um, I wanted it to be functional, though. I didn't want it just to be a straight, you know, uh, pack that only holds my binoculars. I wanted to have something that I could put a little bit of, you know, gear on, not a ton of stuff, but maybe some calls or maybe my, uh, you know, wind indicator, things like that. So, and I wanted it to be comfortable. I wanted it to be streamlined. I, um, it just overall, I, and I wanted to be able to, to put my rangefinder um, with it as well. I want to be able to attach a pouch. I had a lot of things that I needed this harness to have and a lot of things that I didn't want it to have. And I, I searched a lot. Um, I, you know, 
I knew that it was going to probably be, you know, pretty high in the budget, but to me it was worth it just to have, because that's the piece of gear I'm going to have on at all times. I might drop my pack for a while, you know, whatever, but though if I'm outside of my tip, that harness is basically going to be on, so I wanted it to be perfect. And after looking and looking and looking and looking, and I actually, um, believe it or not, I found this harness before I even realized that it was like a harness that a lot of these big time hunters, um, like, uh, like Steve Vanella or, um, oh, I can't remember who it is, but other guys that use it and it's FHF, um, fish hunt fight. And it just fit the bill 100%. If I had sat down and designed my own binocular pouch exactly the way I wanted it, I honestly don't think I would have changed a single thing about their design. It fits the bill perfectly for me. So I I can't speak highly enough about it. Um, And they are very reputable. I I honestly didn't realize it at, at the time i was just doing a lot of online research and found them and then afterwards found out that oh you know these guys use them and and all of this um but ordered everything i needed i got a a rangefinder um pouch i got a bear spray um pouch and bear spray i got all this stuff through them it all interlinks together it's comfortable it is not you know way too big it's not bulky the straps are really comfortable it has these covers that go on the straps that keep all your loose ends like tucked away the thought that went into these was was really good um so not cheap i will tell you that much right now it's not cheap but in my opinion really 100 percent worth it so and speaking of the rangefinder um, what I wound up going with this year is the Vortex Ranger 1000. It's actually an obsolete model now. They've moved on to a different kind of model, but it still works great. I really like the Rangers because of all of the rangefinders I have used, um, and when I worked at Cabela's and at uh, Gander Mountain, I I tested almost everyone out there. Um, Vortex, and I want to say Loopholds, at least Loopholds top-end ones, are the only ones that have the least amount of drop from a reflective target and and what I mean by that is when you are looking at a rangefinder you're gonna get a number normally it's like the the product model followed by a number so when I like talk about the vortex the vortex ranger 1000 or the loophole R is it RX Uh, 1000 what that thousand means is that's the effective range it could go out to 1000 yards now what they don't tell you is that that is the effective range on a reflective target meaning like if you had a you know 4 by 8 sheet of plywood painted white it will hit that at 1000 and give you the range an animal covered in dark fur is not reflective so the effective range of it then is going to be a lot lower. Sometimes it can be even more than half. You can have a rangefinder that says it's out, it's good out to a thousand, but it's only good at like three hundred yards on deer. That's what I wanted to upgrade from. Um, so the vortex is good out to a thousand. I want to say it can do deer like six hundred or something like that. Um, but. 
And I will tell you, this is exactly why I buy the Vortex products. Their warranty is the best in the business. Um, there's some other companies out right now that are catching up to Vortex with their warranty, but you cannot beat their warranty. Vortex will fix or replace any product that has their name on it, no matter how it was destroyed. You have to have at least some pieces of it. You can't just lose it and get a new one. But if you shoot it somehow, if you run it over with your truck, if you drop it down a mountain and are able to get down to the bottom of that mountain and find them, they will fix or replace them, no questions asked. There is no, you know, are you the original purchaser? There is no, well, these are over 10 years old. There is, no, it is lifetime, transferable, and they will fix or replace anything. And they are the, as now this is last I checked, so my information is probably a year, maybe even more old now. But last I checked, Vortex was the only company in the business who was offering that same warranty on their rangefinders. Nobody else was doing that. Everybody would do three to five years, you know, or they would do a lifetime on lenses only, but the electronics only had a three-year. Vortex was across the board. Same exact thing as their binoculars. If I drop my rangefinder, if I shatter it, if I run it over, if I punch it, whatever, they will fix and replace it. No questions asked. So, huge for me. Now, one really important piece of gear that sometimes we don't think about is the... A, a bino adapter for your tripod. I have recently learned this whole thing about bringing your tripod out uh, for glassing, and to me, it is a complete game changer. Um, when I used to hunt, it was just you know pull my binos out, hold them up for as long as I could, and then sit them down. And now I I can get myself in a position where you know I'll you know scooch up against my pack the I'll put the tripod kind of around me and get it set perfect to where I can sit there for hours and hours and hours and never feel tired other than my eyes get kind of tired of looking through glass and I'll have to, you know, take a rest. But the comfort level is just beyond anything I could have imagined by just adding that one little piece of gear. But to make all of that work, you need to have a binocular adapter so that you can put your binos on your tripod um, and then I can switch back and forth so if I find something that looks you know promising I pull those binos off I throw the spotting scope on I get a really good view as to what's going on and decide if that's what you know the direction I want to head I have tried other binocular adapters and they work um, you know some of the more popular and definitely cheaper options are the ones where at the end of all binoculars now pretty much um, there is a little cap on the end of the hinge of your binoculars where you know the two lenses can you know fold in or out and uh, you pull that cap off and it's a threaded um, you know uh, nut I guess you would call it and typically they're all threaded the exact same size uh, I think some of these higher end ones do their own threading so that you can only use their products but whatever and so one option you have for a uh, tripod adapter is to just get a, a little stand that will hold your binoculars and then it just threads straight into the binoculars. The problem that I have with those though is that you have to take them off every time you put your bino binos back in the harness or back into this pouch. So 
you're constantly threading in and out and it just becomes kind of a, a pain in the butt now the nicer ones in my opinion use it go in a, a different direction so what they do is they have a stud um, that sticks out from that threaded nut so you thread it in there you lock it down and then there's a little stud that will stick out so then all you have to do is put your binocular adapter onto the tripod and then slide that stud into the receiver onto that uh, on that tripod adapter now there's a lot of these I would say probably the the best in the business is the uh, is it the sportsman's tri sportsman's or outdoorsman I can't remember what it is um, they make tripods and their tripods are like six hundred dollars um, but they also make these binocular adapters um, that are really really nice they they function perfect they're also like a hundred and twenty dollars I found through Amazon that Bushnell I think it was actually just this year released um, their quick release adapter and it uses the exact same thing I have used it multiple times and it, uh, it, it is solid it is simple to use and, and it's just it's a definitely a game changer so I really really like that one um, it's not the cheapest thing in the world you're gonna run you about 50 bucks but definitely better than like you know over a hundred and, and as far as I know right now it works we'll have a really good understanding of its durability after this season but thus far I'm I'm really happy um, and then the one thing that sometimes we don't think about but I make sure I list it out here so that I don't forget it when it comes time to pack is a lens cloth you're gonna be you know possibly in some crappy situations it's gonna be raining snowing wind blowing right now we've got you know all these fires and if they're not all put out we're gonna be in some smoke and some ash and just all kinds of nastiness um, so having a lens cloth especially on these extended hunts is gonna be a lifesaver and it'll save you from using you know your rough t-shirt or something to wipe it off and wind up with you know scratch lenses by the time you get home and then you round it all off with your tripod this also is one where I got lucky uh, last year getting ready for our hunt and then I found a guy and I think it was like at right at a hundred bucks or maybe even less and I got two tripods and a window mount and they weren't um, they weren't high or low quality at all the window mount is a Cabela's and the uh, both tripods were vanguards and they were they were nice vanguards and so I've now kept one of those uh, tripods the more stout of the two which I like because it's more stable but it equals more weight as well but it's a trade-off and what I'm rolling with is the Vanguard Alta 264AO um, it has tons of adjustment in the legs I can actually get that thing set up taller than I am um, but it's also really stable it's got a pan head I don't like ball heads I think they're just kinda of too hard to control I like using a pan head because I can make a lot more controlled movements with it but to each their own on that but overall it's just a really good tripod for the use that I have for it now you can always save some weight if you were to go you know carbon fiber um, or just a, a little bit of a not as stout tripod is what I'm rolling with but to me one the ounces I save on the carbon fiber tripods is not worth the price I'm gonna pay for them and uh, and I like having that stability because a lot of what I'm going to do is is sitting on a ridge and glassing you know several miles for several hours so if I can keep everything stable and 
you know, all of that, then I'm going to be in a much better place. So that wraps up optics. And uh, with that, we are in optics. That's probably my heaviest category. And it's at 11.64 pounds. So over 11.5 pounds in optics alone. And that's one thing to always consider is that, you know, you, you want this nice stuff, but the weight is going to be there. Um, so you need to make sure you can justify its existence. I went out scouting yesterday for my archery hunt. I have already determined that the, the spotting scope's not going with me. It's way too close to quarters. Um, it's real thick, real green. I, I really don't foresee myself ever in a position where the spotting scope's going to be helpful. It's mainly just going to be a weight in my bag that probably never gets removed. So um, that is already out. So that'll save me a little bit of weight on, on that hunt. But it, as far as I know right now, it is going with me on my 10-day hunt and will be going with me definitely for our antelope and my late-season hunt. So then we get into um category that I, I just kind of go with gear. And that's just everything that I feel like I need uh, that it's going to go into the pack. So, um, a glassing pad to me, you got to have it. You can sit on the ground for so long, but you're going to wind up shaking from, or not shaking, but shifting from one butt cheek to the other, trying to get yourself comfortable, standing up, getting a little bit impatient. So, I got just a cheap, I think it's from Walmart, it's just a mossy oak foam pad. It's high density foam. It has saved me a lot of of heartache and butt ache. Um, It's just been... A really simple, cheap, and easy thing to throw onto the outside of my pack and just carry around, but it has helped so much. Um, one thing you need to look at too is your survival kit. So I'm actually going to open mine here real quick. One second. Now with this, I make sure I have a waterproof bag that it goes inside of. And this bag is 100% dedicated to my survival kit. Nothing else is going in here. It's not just a catch-all. This is my survival kit. This kit, when I first built it, weighed in at almost a pound. I have since gotten it down to six ounces. I know that there are guys out there who will say, no, you should bring this, you should bring this, you should bring this. I am... I'm at the point, though, I don't want to pack my fears. I don't want to just say, well, this could happen, so I'll bring this. If if you play that game long enough, you're going to wind up with a tough box full of survival gear because anything can happen, and we, if that's the case, you should bring everything. Well, that's not how I'm thinking. I'm going off of if the whole world falls apart around me, what can I at least survive for a while with? What will get me to the point where I can, you know, build my shelter, harvest some meat for food, find a water source, all of that, build a fire? What are those things that are going to help me get to that point if everything else that I have somehow falls apart, right? So it's just really a few items that I have with me. I have a folding pocket knife, just a Gerber. Um, couldn't even tell you the model of it, but it has a serrated edge and... Um, you know, it's not huge, but it will do the job. Um, then I've got two fire sources. So I've got a box of waterproof matches and a Bic lighter. So I have a way to start a fire. Um, I then have fuel tabs. Um, what these do is, uh, you know, they'll 
they'll help it's fuel for a fire so i i break a piece of this off you know throw it in a little pile of tinder it'll light up it'll burn for a while allowing that tinder to light and then i have fire um i then have an emergency blanket which um it is i mean i don't even know the full dimensions on it but it's pretty stinking big so it really can be used as a blanket um, it is reflective so you can use it um, to signal it also is large enough it can become a shelter um, depending on the time of year you know warmth might be more important than shelter or shelter might be more important than warmth um, if it's summertime I'm more concerned about the shelter and keeping out of the rain or the sun or whatever um, but when it's colder I need something close to my body to keep me warm obviously but it will do the job on either end and then next to that I have one of those like Boy Scout whistle uh, mirror compass survival tools with waterproof matches inside of it um, and again it's obvious a whistle for signaling, a mirror for signaling, compass for navigation and waterproof matches for fire and that is my complete survival kit I know there's a lot of other things that you can take but I don't I just want to bring what will help me survive. Everything that I'm bringing, I can survive with. So really the point of a survival kit is for if everything that is with me somehow washes down the river. So it's kind of a, um, what, what is the word that I'm searching for? It, it just kind of a, a backup to the backup. All the gear that is coming with me already is what I need to survive. This is just, you know, the everything just fell apart plan so I didn't feel like it needed to be crazy just needed to be enough to cover um, mainly my two basic needs which is uh, fire and shelter until I can fulfill the other needs of food water um, building a shelter because I'm not going to use a an emergency blanket for my permanent shelter it'll get me through a couple of nights while I figure out either one to get myself out of there or two to get my shelter built up enough um, to to be a lot more survivable either way this is what I do if if you're the guy who packs an entire other pack for survival be that guy I'm not gonna tell you what to do you'll be the one laughing at me when you know my whole world comes crumbling down anyway so the next kit that we will get into is the kill kit um, and let me get it opened up real quick um, this is what it is exactly what it uh, says that it is um, it is for when I harvest an animal it is the kit that I'll pull out of my pack and should have all the tools that I need to break that animal down and get it hauled out of the woods so obviously the first thing it has is a knife um, the knife I carry is a custom-made knife my brother and brother-in-law made it for me um, they actually made it out of a file. It has an amazing edge on it, just razor sharp. Um, it's not going to hack. It's not going to be a good hacking knife. I wouldn't use it to like try to break a hip bone open or something. But to slice and skin and do all of that stuff, um, I couldn't think of a better knife. Now, for the bones and all that junk that you might have to deal with, um, I wound up getting a Havilon bone saw. If you're familiar with Havilon, they are the ones who make, um, them and Outdoor Edge are the guys who make the replaceable blades. Um, this is the exact same thing. It is a replaceable blade, however it is a serrated blade. It is a saw. Um, but 
really handy. I'll use that, um, you know, for any bone cutting that I have to do. I've got several zip ties. Um, that is really only just to get my tag attached onto that animal because you definitely do not want to be out in the middle of the woods and a game warden walk up while you're gutting or skinning and there's no tag on that animal. The first thing you need to do immediately is get a tag on that thing. Um, then I've got a uh, knife sharpener, just a handheld knife sharpener, um, obviously, to put another edge back on in case, you know, whatever, I chop into something or whatever. Um, I've also got a fire source, two fire sources, actually. This is just me. To me, the ultimate survival tool is the ability to make fire. Fire is a morale booster. Fire cooks meat. Fire disinfects water. Uh, fire is a protector. It, the survivability of somebody who can have a fire, and, and this is all me guessing, I would have to say it has to be a lot higher than somebody who has no ability to make a fire. So every pouch that is inside of my pack will have a fire starter inside of it, whether it just be a Bic lighter, um, you know, this has a flint, um, you know, whatever it takes, my, you know, if, just in case if I lose my pack, but I have, you know, my kill kit, then I still have a way to make fire. If I lose everything but my survival kit, I have a way to make fire. If I lose everything but my um, first aid kit, I have a way to make fire. Like every little, little pouch that's in my bag has a fire starter in it. That's just my habit. Do it if you want. If not, you know, whatever. Um, I then have a rag just to, you know, I can take it down to a creek, get it wet, wipe my hands down, all of that. I've got a marker and a pen, obviously, to write on my tag. And I've got several pairs of latex gloves. I really never use them. I, I Ever since I started deer hunting, I've always had latex gloves with me, and I just don't really ever use them. I probably should. It's just never crossed my mind. And I guess I just want to be barbaric and have, you know, whatever. Um, but that is the kill kit. Simple. It's not, you know, crazy. It doesn't have all this, you know, crazy stuff in it. It's just over a pound. Um, but it will have everything that I need, hopefully, to um, break down an animal and, and get it ready to haul out. And next on that, we have the compass. Um, like I said earlier, my my watch has a compass. Uh, my phone app, because I use Onyx, uh, has a compass feature, I believe. And I have a SpotX uh, messenger system thing. It also has a compass. But I always want to bring just a normal handheld compass. Um, and in this case, it's the military lensatic compass. And again, it's just that backup. All else fails, I've got an ability to find north if I, for some odd reason, can't figure out where north is at this point in my life. Um, and, well, actually, at some point you'll hear the story of my hunt last year, and honestly, I didn't know where to find north because I wound up completely turned around. And had I even thought about the fact that I had my compass sitting in my pocket, I probably would not have had the issues that we ran into. But that's for another time. I just like to have one for that, you know, just extra security blanket. Um, my wind checker. Um... Nothing special there. It's just, you know, whatever powder they use to to make it. But uh, I always make sure I have that with me. You can always, you know, pick grass and, and grind it up in your fingers and watch where it goes and all that. To me, it's just simple to grab the bottle of powder, spray a little bit out, and it gives me a really good indicator of what's going on. So, And for swirling winds, it's really easy to see that powder, so I, I really like it for that. 
Uh, bear spray. I'm bringing bear spray. I don't really think I'm going to need it. We're not in Grizz country. Um, black bears are what we have in Colorado. Grizzes will will hunt you and they will attack you. Um, black bears typically won't. Has it happened? Yes. Will they normally? No. Normally as soon as they know that you exist, they're booking it out of there. They're curious. They like to see what's going on. But as soon as you, you know, let them know, hey, you're in my area, they tend to get out of there. But just maybe for a warm and fuzzy, I'll probably wind up bringing it with me. It's just a typical bottle of the counter assault that you can get at, you know, all these sporting goods stores. Um, calls. We're going early this year, so we're going to be hitting the elk rut. Um, so I will be bringing my mouth calls. I I love using mouth calls. I use them for turkey, pretty much any animal that I can use a mouth call on. I will. I just it. it I don't. I wouldn't say I'm professional or anywhere even close. I just enjoy it. I can do it, and I enjoy doing it. So that's the way I do it. Um, so I have an amp. It's, the brand is an amp mouth call, and uh, I have a homemade tube that I made. Um, mainly the, the the main component is an old vacuum hose, but I love the sound that it gives, and it's smaller, it's more compact, it's flexible, um, so it's easier to carry, and and I just like it. And I mean, who you know wouldn't want to brag about the fact that you created your own homemade grunt tube and actually got an elk to come into you? Um, always, always, always remember your tags. The last thing you want to do is be two days into your hunt and realize that you don't have your tag, or even worse, uh, have an animal on the ground and realize you don't have your tag because that's going to be a bad day. You might get lucky and have a, a game warden who is uh, sympathetic and, and might give you you know a little bit of time to have that tag brought to you, but uh, the law states that you will have the tag on your person. It doesn't say that you you know have a tag. It has to be on your person. You have to be able to provide it if you're going to hunt. But just make sure you do. Uh, trash bags. Trash bags have 101,000 different uses. They're almost as, as useful as duct tape. So I bring two of them. Their main purpose is going to be to um, mainly line my bag for when I'm carrying meat out um, to save that bag. You know, I'm not like all icky about getting blood in my bag, but I plan on using my pack as long as I can. Therefore, I would prefer to keep it in the best condition possible. Um, and also, we have multiple tags, so if I get a bunch of blood and, and crap all in my pack, and then I've got to keep carrying it for another four days, it's going to get kind of nasty. So that's their main purpose, but they can do a lot of different things. Uh, while you're breaking down that animal, you can lay them out on the ground to put meat on, too, so that the meat doesn't get dirty. Um, it's a makeshift poncho, obviously. It can be a makeshift tent. There's a lot of things it can do, um, but they're just good to have, in my opinion. Game bags, I'm bringing seven. Again, we have multiple tags. You can reuse these bags, but I, I'm just taking more than probably what we'll need, only because if one rips or something like that, it's just easy. They're they're very lightweight. I mean, all seven of them are less than a pound. Um, water purification. I am bringing a Sawyer squeeze filter. It's just those little, they're like two inch long, maybe three inch long filters. Very simple, very lightweight, doesn't really take anything. But they can, I think they can process like 10,000 gallons of water into clean water. And for us on this backpack hunt that we're going on, um, 
again, we're well, I think the way it's standing right now is we'll probably be out for four to five days before we head back to the truck for a resupply. But still, if I tried to carry in four to five days worth of water, I would, I'd be, you know, 150 pounds. So as it stands, I'm only bringing, you know, a few liters of water in, and I'm sure that will last me the first day. And then I'm going to be needing more. Um, so the best thing to do is to have that filtration system so that I can fill all of my, you know, Nalgene's and everything, fill them up with that um, filter, and then boogie on out of there and, and get going. Uh, so to me, just a, an indispensable piece of equipment. Um, I'm bringing a power bank. So I'm going to have two rechargeable electronics with me, my cell phone and my SpotX Messenger. And um, my cell phone really won't be used like as a cell phone, obviously. Um, it'll be in airplane mode, and it's just going to be my GPS uh, for my Onyx maps. And in that mode, it, it'll last quite a while. Probably I can get, with pretty decent use on the maps, a couple of days with it. Um, I'm not 100% certain what kind of uh, timing I'll get out of the Spot X Messenger. I don't plan on using it much. Um, it'll be in the, like, I, I, they have different tracking modes where you can do, you know, tracks every five minutes or it'll update your location every 10 or 20, whatever it is. I'm going to do a very slow update um, because there's really no reason um, to do a constant update, from, in my opinion, anyway. Um, and then I'll have it to be able to communicate with my wife while we're out, um, just to make sure everything back home is going okay, and to complain to her when everything's going wrong out there. So it won't get a, a lot of heavy use, um, but um, I'll still probably have to do a little bit of testing. The, the the power bank that I have right now is an Anchor Power Core 26800. Uh, that 26800 is the milliamps, which what it really breaks down to is like if you have a 4,000 milliamp cell phone battery, um, that means that a 26800 will charge it, what is it, 6.7 times or something like that. Um, I can't remember what my phone is, it's like 8 or something like that. And I got it to charge, I think, 6 times. Um, so it's not a perfect science. But uh, we'll just have to see how all of that works out. If I have to, if I feel like I need to, I'll just grab another one of these, and that should definitely charge both of my devices without any real issues. Um, and then the SpotX Messenger. Really simple system. It's just uh, it kind of looks like an old bulky cell phone with a keyboard. I can't make phone calls. It's not a GPS unit. But I can text on it, and I can text from anywhere on this planet. It's GPS text system, and I can text anybody that I want to, and they can text me back. Um, they have different plans, so you can you you can limit the amount of messages that you can send and receive, or you can get an unlimited plan where I can just sit there and text all day long, like I'm you know sitting in town. Um, and again, there's no limit on who you can text. Um, you just it's just it works just like a cell phone in that regard. And like I said, the main reason I have it is just so I can make sure that everything back home is okay. Um, I am, you know, currently uh, expecting a baby in February. So for me, I talked to my wife about it, and she thought I was an idiot for even feeling like I needed this and said that she'd be fine. But mainly it's for me so that I can feel better um, being out there. 
and, and being able to check on her and make sure that everything at home is going okay. Um, batteries. Always got to bring batteries. The only thing I need batteries for is my headlamp. I don't really expect to actually have to change them, but I don't want to be stuck out there without one, so I'm bringing some extra AAA batteries. I am bringing a shaker, uh, like a drink shaker, because I'll, I have uh, Wilderness Athlete um, Hydrate and Recover powder that I'll be drinking every day, which I, I highly suggest to anybody that you get some kind of like um, drink like that. You know, for me, it's easier to do powder, but it's, it's kind of like a Gatorade kind of a drink like that um, with the electrolytes and all that stuff. Um, but obviously, it's a lot easier to carry 10 little things of powder than 10 full bottles of Gatorade. Um, paracord. That kind of goes into my survival kit. Um, but I would bring it no matter what. Paracord, you can hang meat with it. Uh, you can make a, a tent with it. You can, you know, repair guy lines. You can you can use it to sew. I mean, you'd have to make some pretty big holes, but I've done it. Um, a lot, a lot of uses. Yeah, it's up there with the, the uh, contractor trash bags and duct tape. It's just tons of stuff you can do. Um, and then my cell phone. Um, you know, nothing special there, just a cell phone. Then we're going to get into the cooking kit, and I know I'm going to hold this this episode late, but this is kind of the meat and potatoes of the whole gear thing, is all of this stuff, so I wanted to be, you know, pretty uh, detailed with it. Oh, and back to the all the gear. So all of that gear that we listed off, that actually only comes out to 7.78 pounds, so under 8 pounds for all of that gear. Um, and that gear is going to be, that's mainly the stuff that keeps me comfortable throughout all of this. So, uh, then we're going to our cooking kit. So, my cook pot, um, I don't have, you know, this, the new jet boils or the MSRs and things like that. They're kind of an all-in-one unit. Um, it has the burner. It has the cup. Um, it has a, what I think is like a diffuser. Basically, it helps evenly spread the heat, which is why they can boil so quickly. Um, really nice setups. I haven't gotten to that point. I am still using separate pieces, but it works really well for me, so if it ain't broke. Um, but for my cook pot, it's the GSI Halulite Boiler. It's a 1.1 liter, um, and it and I also have a jet boil can stabilizer. It's just a little stand that you put your, your fuel cans on to make sure the things don't tip over. Um, the one thing I like, though, with the GSI Boiler is that it is designed to hold your fuel and your stove so long as you have a compact stove um, but yeah so cook pot is that then I, I have a, a coffee mug uh, for my coffee because I will not give up coffee um, my stove I actually just upgraded last week to the MSR pocket rocket 2 stove really small really lightweight but really powerful um, it claims that it will boil water in three minutes and 30 seconds I put it to the test and it took three minutes and I think 40 seconds um, and I didn't even have it on full blast so really nice system the only reason I got it is because I have just in the last couple of weeks lost my other stove I don't know how but I had a Primus backpacker stove it worked really well but it was a little bit bigger um, it also didn't fit in the um, in my GSI boiler so yeah. I didn't really want to spend that money, but it's kind of a blessing because now I can fit everything inside of my cup and carry it all at once instead of having four different things out. 
Um, I got a little thing called a GSI Spice Missile. It uh, has four compartments in it. They all thread together. Really lightweight, really small and compact. Um, I really only got this for when we harvest an animal. So it'll have you know some spices, um, some garlic salt, some pepper, maybe some cayenne, different things, whatever. Um, so that night, you know, whenever we do harvest an animal, we'll be able to celebrate, cook up, you know, some, my plan is some tongue, because I absolutely have fallen in love with tongue, or maybe, you know, some backstrap or something, I don't know, but we'll have some spices for that. Um, a GSI long spoon, I got this because I got so tired of having my hand covered in, you know, Chili Mac or beef stroganoff or whatever, you know, backpacking food I was eating because when you get to the bottom with a normal spoon, you're reaching halfway down that bag to clear it out. So this year, I splurged and I went out and bought myself a long spoon that uh, you don't have to reach all the way down to the bag to get to the bottom. So definitely worth it in my opinion. Um, for fuel, um, I'm just going with Jetboil. I've used several different. I've used Coleman. I've used, um, remember, it's a green bottle. And um, I just so happened to get Jet Boil this go around. They all seem to work just fine for me. I haven't found one that really has an edge over the other. I've timed almost all of them when I'm boiling water, and they all are right next to each other. Um, they all last about the same amount of time. So I don't really give an edge to one or the other. Just get what's best for you or really what's available. Um, and then all of that, um, all of my food storage, all of my food will go into an Alps Mountaineering dry bag. I have two dry bags that I'm taking, one for all of my clothing and one for all of my food. Those are the two things that I really don't want getting wet. Um, if they do, it's going to make things a little bit miserable. So it was just easy to go grab a couple of dry bags or Alps Mountaineering. I got those, if you remember, from um, part one of all of this, um, the Camel Fire. I ordered them from them. Got them pretty cheap. I think they were under 20 bucks. And it's just peace of mind. And that's it for the cook kit. Don't need a whole lot. Um, I'm not making gourmet meals. I'm, you know, eating biscuits and gravy from Mountain House in the morning. I'm eating uh, peak refuel meals for dinner and snacking on stuff in between. So there isn't, you know, a whole lot that I need beyond what, what I'm taking. And then we get into our safety gear. I have a headlamp that is the Black Diamond Astro. Really nice. It has... Um, a dimming feature so I can really dim down that light for when it's like pitch black out and I don't want to ruin my night vision. Solid construction, just it works really well, does everything I need it to do. Uh, on my flashlight, I'm taking um, it's actually uh, it's called a Nightcore MH25GT. Really, really bright. I really won't ever use it unless I'm in like a bad situation. Um, like if, you know, for some odd reason I get the only black bear in Colorado who decides he hates people, um, I can really light him up. Or if I'm in a, you know, survival situation or, or trying to get rescued or whatever, it, it, it will put out quite a bit of light. So it's not something I intend on using really at all, um, except for, you know, in a situation where a really bright light is, is what's going to help me out. Um, then I've got my first aid kit, which everybody should have one. Let me get it opened up. It is also in a waterproof bag. I ordered this kit. It's called the Adventure Medical Kit. And uh, I ordered it actually with my 
FHA card um, through the FHA store. So don't think that I got over on anything. They actually put it in the store for me to buy. Um, and But it's a huge kit. It's like a month-long kit, but then it gives you little bags that you can break it down into smaller kits to take with you. So I have the main kit at my house, and then I just take little pieces from it for my adventures. Um, this, again, was also one of those kits that I looked at and probably had over a pound worth of junk in it and had to really break it down into what what would get me out of the woods because if I'm in a position where I really need some of this stuff in the kit I'm not in a position to where I'm gonna stay in the woods you know little splinters or a cut or something like that you know maybe even like a, a mildly twisted ankle those are things that I can probably get through but if you know uh, if Kip accidentally or intentionally shoots me I'm probably just going to want to do what I have to do to survive to get out of the woods. Um, or, you know, if I fall down the side of a mountain and don't get lucky enough to smash into a tree without any injuries, you know, broken bones, things like that, I I just want to have stuff that will get me to survive until I can get to help. And with that, it's mainly just some bandages to cover up open wounds to prevent them from getting infected, uh, antiseptic to prevent infection, and some pain medicine. Um, and, you know, that's for for the higher-end stuff. Now, I do have some, like, Band-Aids, little tweezers, a little bit of mole skin, things like that for just day-to-day discomfort. But for, like, the, the survival, like, something bad just happened, it's mainly just bandages bandages and antiseptics so that um, I don't get an infection until I can get out of the woods. If I need to make a splint, I know how to make a splint out of, you know, sticks and stuff. So I can use what I have around me to make that kind of a stuff. Um, Obviously, I can make a sling out of anything. So, you know, the best thing I can tell you in that is to learn um, field care. Learn how to do field care. And you'll be you'll realize after that if you're one of those guys who brings a huge first aid kit without out with you, I personally would say that you it's probably because you don't have the experience. I'm not saying that in an insulting way. I'm just saying it as if you learn how to do field care, survival care, and and use what is in nature to help get through an injury, you'll realize that a lot of this stuff you really don't need because you're not a field hospital. You're not doing surgery while you're out there. You're doing what you have to do to survive until help gets to you or you get to help. So that's what I took into account, and and that's why I'm down to, like, uh, my kit is six ounces. Very little to it. It has duct tape, um, also another fire starter inside of it, um, and then a tourniquet. I would tell you... If you told me that I could only bring one, either my med kit or my tourniquet, the med kit's going to stay here. I'm going to bring the tourniquet. Really, other than like blunt force trauma, the, the fastest way to die away from help is by blood loss. So if you get an arteri- arterial bleed in your legs, arm, you know, something like that, you can die pretty quick. And a tourniquet can stop that from happening. I I highly, highly, highly suggest that you bring one. If you've never looked at a tourniquet or used one, find a class. I guarantee you there is a class out there that teach you how to use a tourniquet. If you really don't can't find any help whatsoever, shoot me an email. Um, I have trained on this many times. I've done the training at my job, so come to me. Um, I'm not going to be able to give you a certificate and make you feel all special, but I'm going to be able to make sure you know how to use a tourniquet 
So please don't hesitate. I think everybody should have one of these in their pack. Your buddy that's hunting with you should know where it's at in your pack, and you both should know how to use one. And and really, like, I you know, I, I say a lot of dumb stuff on here, and I joke around a lot, but this, to me, is, is, is truly, really serious. If you don't have one, I highly, highly suggest that you get one. It, it really, truly can save a life. You can bleed out in a matter of minutes, and even with all the technology that we have to get people rescue teams to get to you or no matter how good of a hiker you are to get yourself out of it if you are 100 feet out of the parking lot you're probably too far away from your vehicle to get to help so always bring one bring it bring it bring it if you need help please do not hesitate if you're in the denver metro area i promise you i will figure out a way to link up with you to show you how to use these properly all right so with that, uh, oh, that was, we'll call that today's public service announcement. Um, moving on, though. Uh, sunscreen. If you are a ginger, such as me, I highly suggest sunscreen. I really suggest sunscreen to everybody. The higher altitude you are, um, I mean, literally, you're closer to the sun. So, the, I mean, you're especially you're above tree line, you're not going to find shade. So, bring sunscreen. Uh, whether you you know are pale like me or not, it's just a good thing to have. It's, it's healthier for your skin not to have sunburns, no matter who you are. Um, wet wipes. I am bringing wet wipes. Um, my butt's more comfortable out, you know, for days on end um, with wet wipes, and I can use them to kind of wipe down, you know, give myself a, a quick little shower, I guess you could say. And then TP. Don't ever leave home without TP. That that's a one of those luxuries that we have developed over the last, you know, 100-plus years that uh, I no longer can live without. You can tell me all day long, oh, you know, use a corn stalk or use leaves or use whatever. No. I, that's the, the one piece of, uh, of advancement that we've had as a human race that I will never give up. I don't care if it's the apocalypse. I will find toilet paper. Um, and obviously, I'm not alone in that one because uh, people were losing their minds over toilet paper for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> but that is the category of my safety gear. Simple, to the point, nothing that I feel like I don't really need. Um, now, food. So the way that I've broken down food, and this was with working with Kip, my hunting partner, um, and, and he actually is the one that brought this up to me, is that... I want, at a minimum, 100 calories per ounce of food. And right now, I am, let's see, I'm at 3,371 calories. And if I have 28 ounces of food, that's 120 calories per ounce of food. I was listening to Remy Warren's podcast a while back, and he was kind of going over his whole thing when it comes to, to um, backcountry food and all of that. He is kind of a crazy person, if you ever listen to his stories, and I suggest you do. It is great to listen to. But uh, he's had so many times where he'll he'll talk about how he ran out of food, ran out of water, or he had you know three days of rations for a nine-day hunt, and he had to split them up. And, like, the guy he's he's crazy I am not um I like to eat I will get really grumpy and I will be on the verge of quitting if you don't give me some food so I plan for that and you've got to think if you are 
in the high country, in the backwoods, you are carrying a pack that, you know, uh, at the heaviest is 70, at the lightest is 40, um, or even at the heaviest with, you know, hauling meat out, you could be 100 plus. You're going up and down hills, side hilling, it's hot, you're carrying all this gear, you know, all this stuff going on. I can pretty well guarantee that my 3,300 calories, almost 3,400 calories, I'm still going to be in a deficit. I'm still going to be probably losing a little bit of weight while I'm out there because you burn so many calories. Um, I learned this in the military. When we deployed, I could eat like a tank. I literally went to a base. We got off of a convoy, and we had been running around. A lot of stuff had broken down. It was blazing hot, and... I literally got to this base and was so hungry. I had them make me a dozen egg omelet with bacon and sausage and cheese and everything, and I woofed that entire thing down. And I was in great shape. I ate like a horse all through my deployments, but I worked out a lot and I did a lot of stuff, you know, uh, while I was over there that was just um, high exertion. So I just was always really in a deficit. And so. I never really put on a lot of weight. But you can only bring so much. You know, if I'm going to burn 7,000 calories a day, I'm going to have to bring like five pounds of food every day with me to make sure I, I keep up with that. You just want to keep yourself sustained is really all you need. You, you can burn more calories than you take in, but unless you have a 0% fat, uh, body fat, then your body's just going to burn its excess. Um, and I, I definitely have plenty of excess. I could probably do this entire hunt without eating and uh, would still come home fine. But, you know, you got to draw the line somewhere. My goal was 3,000 calories. I got over by 300 and almost 400, and so I'm pretty satisfied with that. And this is the breakdown of where I'm at. So I start the day off with Mountain House Biscuits and Gravy. If you've never tried them, you should try them. They're amazing. They'll They'll boost your morale instantly. They're really good. Um, and they're they're pretty high in calories. It's 560 calories to start my day out. Uh, then I got my coffee, which is empty, nothing. There's no calories or anything, but it's my coffee. I gotta have it. Um, and then during the day, I'll you know depend. I don't really have an order of this. It's just it'll be in my pack, and I eat it as I will. I'll have a couple of things of cheese crackers every day. A Cliff Builder Bar. These are the high protein bars, high calorie. Um, trail mix and jerky. I make my own jerky, and I like it, so I'll definitely bring that. Um, my lunch is is set to be a, a peanut butter and jelly tortilla, um, or it might wind up just being a peanut butter tortilla. I don't know. Um, and then I've got a couple of what I call the fat boy snacks. I'll eat them whenever I want, and that's a Butterfinger and a Star Crunch every day. And then I'll have a peak refuel meal every night. And then I will have um, one of those pouches of the Wilderness Athlete um, Hydrate and Recover um, powders that I'll drink every day. So all in all, with all of that, it's 3,371 calories and just about 1.8 pounds is what I'm looking at. So not bad in my opinion. Well over the 100 calorie per ounce mark that I was looking at. So I'll take it all day long. Now the final category is the absolute most important and that's your water. If you don't have water, you're going to die. So make sure you bring water. Um, and what I try to suggest is bring enough water to get you through for a while. You're going to, you know, especially if you're backpacking, you're going to do a lot of walking and you don't really know exactly what you're going to be in until you're in it. So try to bring enough water 
in case things don't exactly go the way you want them to. Now, again, you can't bring several days' worth of water. It's just not feasible. But, you know, I'm bringing, like I said, two Nalgene's that are 32 ounces a piece and a platypus. Um, it's one of those really, um, it's like a bag, um, and it holds two liters of water. So that'll be plenty for me to get through the day. Um, but it's a lot of weight. I mean, just for actually one Nalgene and a platypus, both of them full, that's almost eight pounds of water. Now, when I go to uh, add that second Nalgene, I'm going to be at ten and a half pounds of water. So just know you're packing some weight, but I would rather just that's kind of the comfort level for me. I want to make sure that I have enough water to get by for a while in case things go sideways. That is all of the gear that is going to be going with me. We already went over my clothing um, the other day. We went over, you know, my the, the weapons that I'll be taking and all of that. So as far as what's the pack, what's in the pack, all of that, that is everything that is going with me. And like I spoke before, this is coming from the list, my Excel spreadsheet. If you want it, please, please, please email me, theamateurhunter at gmail.com. T-H-E-A-M-A-T-E-U-R-H-U-N-T-E-R at gmail.com. I will send you all the info that I have. I'm not hiding anything from anybody. It does have the prices that I paid for this stuff, all of that. Um, I'm not, And again, I'm doing this for that, that guy sitting out there who doesn't, really have a clue where to start because I was that guy and I was that guy who went out completely unprepared so if I can help one person be just a little bit ahead of the game uh, more than I was then then I can shut this whole podcast down okay so if you're tired of listening to this if you're tired of feeling obligated um, then reach out for help because as soon as I help one person then the rest of you can just shove it I'm done um, not really though. I actually kind of enjoy this. It, it's fun to do, so I'll keep doing this. You know, even if nobody listens. Again, that's the total. That is the total breakdown. That is all of my preparation. That is everything that I've done up until this point to get ready for this upcoming season. And this upcoming season is right up on us right now. I mean, today is the 16th. I have two weeks left. Two weekends. Um, you know, the weekend of the 22nd, the weekend of the 29th, and then I am gone the weekend of the 5th and on my first hunt. So we are right here on the edge of it. Um, I'm getting really excited. I feel like this year is going to be a good year. Maybe, you know, we don't, we don't fill all of our tags, but anything is going to be awesome. I'm just, I'm really excited. Um, so next week, uh, we're going to get into last year's hunt. Um, the first hunt that Kip and I did together down south by Alamosa. Some cool things happened, some exciting things happened, and some really stupid things happened. Um, and, and we'll also discuss uh, human nature and the frustrations and how it just takes tiny little things like spilling biscuits and gravy to set you off. So come and join us then. If you ever have any questions, reach out, theamateurhunter at gmail.com. And I will I will offer any help that I can. Um, not that I'm an expert in this, you know, but I definitely want to try to help anybody who is starting out in this to to get where they need to be to have at least a little bit of confidence to be out in the woods. I am and forever will be the amateur hunter, 
and I will see you guys next week.